under your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. I'm Jimmy Clark. Let us hope. There'll be sun. There better be sun. It's been raining for three, four straight days. Now, last night, though, wasn't his little Annie singing it. It was Southern Wood. He was singing this outside in the parking lot. It's one character, one weird joker. Love the man, though. But joining me tonight is a good man, Eric. You might know him as a fiance, but Eric suffices for our purposes tonight. How you doing, man? Doing pretty good. Eric, Eric works. Eric mm, works. Yeah. I think it does. You don't always have to be Emily's fiance. I mean, I was Eric for the first 34 years of my life, so. Right. So, I think it works. Yeah. It's a strong name. It's a good name. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I've had those thoughts as, should I, because Joey was a name, you know, it's a kid's name in some ways. My full name is Joseph. After the carpenter, best stepdad in history, mm-hmm. and uh, I've just you know wonder should I go from Joey to Joe? But I I like Joey. There's nothing wrong with Joey. Yeah, I don't think so. No, it, I, I'm trying to think of a name like Bob. Bob for me. I mean, my dad's Rob. Okay. Uh, and we have the first, same first and last name. Middle name's different. So we went with my middle name so I wouldn't get called Conf- Rob. Right, okay. So, that makes sense. Yeah. I, uh, once, I once had uh, co-workers call me Bobbert, though. Oh, no. I don't like that. Yeah. I had a, a girl I had a crush on call me Josephine. <laughs> the fact that it was she was the one doing it, I, I let it happen. But, yeah. you know. Like, yeah, you can emasculate me as long as we, you know, actually, you know, make out later. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I think Joey works. Though people of a certain age will call me Joe. It's yeah. weird. It's just one of those things. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know either. I don't know. But I think Joey's are making a comeback. I think we're we're strong here. Um, but anyway, I I was reading earlier today, because the news can be so divisive and... Uh, frustrating. We tend to focus on the negative in our news reporting for some reason, because there's a lot that happens mm-hmm. on a daily basis that is possibly negative. Somebody got murdered. I mean, there's fires out in California. There's still, well, wait, something contentious happened in politics, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, vote counting or recounts or recounts again, overheating machines. So let's do it by hand. I think I think ratings hmm. are better with misery. We're all miserable. We want to know that somebody else is more miserable than we are. Right. There is something to that for some reason. I think you're absolutely right that we f- tend to focus, and not just on like the negative 
of ourselves. Actually, we don't do that. We always seem to focus on other people's faults. Right. And I think there there is an actual phenomenon where we're better at spotting when somebody else messes up rather than when we mess up. Right. Like something as simple as, and I actually, I notice it all the time, when something somebody says, and like, that doesn't sound correct. Like, I know somebody who says instead of formula, formula. Mm-hmm. All the time. And I don't correct this person because I know what they mean. Right. And they've been saying it formula for years now, so I don't even... I just like that's how they say it. I used to be a really bad grammar Nazi. Really? Yeah. You didn't strike me that way. But then my dad taught me something, and if somebody doesn't know something, they're learning it for the first time. Right. So you, we we shouldn't make fun of them or or be so critical of them, you know? I I completely agree. And there's a new um, book out. It's been out for a few months now called Enlightenment Now by a... I think he's an astrophysicist. Or wait, is he astrophysicist or is he a uh, psychologist? I I think he might be a psychologist. Who knows? He's a (laughs) smart dude. His name is Steven Pinker. Um, he has a book out called Enlightenment Now, and he, he sort of, in the book, takes a long view of progress, because we're always so focused on the negative. Right. And it, I mean, it can be fun. I, I, that's the, actually, I think comedy is a great space for being able to focus on the negative, but make light of it. So yeah, we're making fun of you for saying this, but it's because we love you, and it's a, it creates catharsis, that right. we all laugh it out. Yeah. I like that, but... When it's constantly a barrage of negative, 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 um, it's difficult to, I think, have perspective. And that's where what Pinker's been working on. So, like, if you asked most people, I, I would wonder, what's the best time to be alive? And I would say, now. What yeah, would you say? I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I have to think about that because there's... I've only got, you know, what, six years on you, but... Right. You know, it's... I I remember... I'm sure I remember a lot of things as a child that, that you didn't get to experience. Hmm. Probably not as... You were a lot older. So, I'm born younger. in 1988, December 1st, 1988. Right. So, you're 82. 83. 83. 83. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe, maybe not. Because we might... It depends on technology. It depends on a lot of things whether or not our experience was the same. Right. It's very possible because I, I'm still part of that millennial generation that knows the world before computers really took over. Yeah. Like, I still remember the television is your main source of entertainment. Okay. The Emily used it, and I, I think I passed it to her. The Zennial. Yeah. It's like... 79 to 88 or something like that. It's like the, the beginning of the millennial st- age. Sure. Where, like, we, it's analog childhood, digital adulthood kind of thing. Right. Yeah. So, so I, I, well, I don't know. So I, I just, and I'm not necessarily thinking of this in terms of, like, there are certain parts of history, like even recent history, like it would have been cool to be born, like be part of the baby boom right yeah. after the war and... You're going into the 60s with all the upheaval of culture in the West. Where, I mean, incredible music. I still think it is difficult to hold a candle to what was happening in the late 60s. 
when it comes to music. Yeah. Pretty remarkable time period. But in terms of everyday living, I don't want to live in the 60s. No. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> me and Emily have had this conversation about my outlook on life. And I won't go into that. But I do, I do feel like because of the way I look at everything, I, I don't have choices really. Hmm. With a lot of things, I was born. I didn't choose to be born, right. or you know, any that kind of stuff. But I have kind of a negative twist on things. I'm I'm always trying to find the happiness, but I really am good at finding the sadness. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm the same way, so, man. We're in the yeah. same boat. Then I but it's I, a family trait that we're constantly disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Especially on the Skinecki side. I'm, I'm a clerk, but the Skinecki side in particular is very idealistic, so they're always disappointed. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Clark side's disappointed, but we're also like, yeah, I could be happy doing whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, that's... Make the no, best out of it. I tried to explain it to her. You know, it's not that I'm trying to find bad stuff. It's just, I know it's there. Right. I don't think about it. It just happens. So... If something good happens, great. If something bad happens, I'll deal with it. Right. You know. Right. Well, it, it comes back to, and I encourage folks, if you don't have time to read the whole book, Enlightenment Now, I haven't had time yet. Um, I've watched a few interviews with Steven Pinker. And it, and the reason I bring this up for our conversation is because it sort of informs that perspective. I really know what you mean. And I think it's also somewhat of my day job. The news is always negative, but I also do have this tendency to find the negative mm-hmm. um, and to be very cynical because of that. And this one interview I ran across, Stephen Pinker was asked, why do you feel the need to write Enlightenment now? And he said, well, he was coming across data, like long-term data that showed the, the state of humanity. He's, he's doing this in broad terms. Mm-hmm. That it's been improving for a long time. And I'll quote him directly. It's a conclusion one can't appreciate from the news because journalism covers the disasters, the crises, the dangers and injustices that remain. And until the Messiah comes, there will always be one, be enough of these disasters, all these things to fill page one. And I see his point there. Yeah. And th- But he makes a great point here. He says, improvements in contrast are gradual and often consist of things that don't happen. An absence of war, or famine, or crime in much of the world. One can spot them only by looking at data, which tally both the occurrences and the non-occurrences. So when Pinker came across data showing plunges in extreme poverty, illiteracy, war, violent crime, racism, sexism, homophobia, domestic violence, disease, lethal accidents, and just about every other scourge, I thought these improvements deserved to be better known. And that's just kind of cool. This idea of this guy sitting in his ivory tower. I think he's a Harvard-educated professor. And he's a professor at Harvard. And he's sort of, oh, man, everything is negative. And I do it myself. And to look at the data and see that every negative thing you could possibly think of, it's less of it in the long run. Yeah. It somewhat makes me a bit more hopeful that even though I'm always seeing the negative, things aren't that bad. Yeah. My dad has printed this meme and put it on the fridge. Hmm. And it's a little stick figure. 
and he's holding a bag and it says happiness on it. And then the other stick figure says, well, where'd you get that? And the one holding the bag says, I made it. And that's kind of how I've been trying to look at life. And like, like he said, that the good is over time. So happiness is a long game. Right. It's it's not instantaneous, well, and that's. It is a long. It, well, it it does. It's gradual. It's not like every day you wake up and you're euphoric. Right. I mean, there's some days you got to do things you don't want to, and when even in the middle of it, you're not enjoying it. But then when you're done, it's like well, I accomplished something, or at least that's over with. Right. Uh, it can at least be a sense of relief, if not like you know, you know gratification. But uh, he he says the number one thing that surprised him when he looked at progress, like the number one myth out there, when people you know think about the, oh the modern world and things aren't as good as it used to be, and this is a concept on both sort of the cultural left and right. It doesn't really matter if you're sort of looking at the modern world. The number one gripe is that it's left us all kind of lonely and unhappy. Modernity has. And he claims that he's found, based on all sorts of surveys, about 85% of countries' happiness has increased. Hmm. I don't know how they're measuring happiness. This is where some of this data approach is interesting to me. But, I mean, it seems obvious that if you get rid of all things like war and, I don't know, plagues and people can eat, like, you're going to be happier. Yeah. You know that, I mean, when you said it's in my head, I thought we're more connected these days than we've ever been, but yet we're more lonely than we've ever been as well. I think we might be, or we're able to better, I don't know, we're able to better express that loneliness. Like, it's more... Imagine, I'll put it this way. Like, imagine you are very, very single. And you're happy being single. And then you meet somebody. And you fall head over heels in love. And it turns out that person's been playing games. And you sing, you know, the, all the Backstreet Boys songs. Where you quit playing games <laughs> with my heart. And you, you know, listen to all sorts of heartbreak songs, and you realize, what happened here? It, something happens that made you realize how lonely you were. And, it, and I guess what I'm suggesting here is that there is so much opportunity to connect with people, to communicate with people, to commune with people, right. that when you aren't using those tools effectively... You're all that much more lonely because you realize how, in fact, lonely you are. Mm-hmm. As opposed to if you're living, say, in, you know, a hundred years ago in a rural part of America and you know your family and, like, you know the farm and maybe there's another farm a few miles away <laughs> and, you know, the community kind of knows each other. You don't realize, like, oh, there are millions of people around the world. You might yeah. kind of vaguely know this thing if you're educated, but. Not really. It's not a real thing like today where it's like, oh, man. Like, you can go through thousands of people's opinions in a day if you really yep. take the time. 
I don't know, I may, when I really sit and think about it, that's what gets me in a lonely place. Like, if I get mindlessly scrolling mm-hmm. on Facebook or Instagram or something like that, at a certain point, especially with, like, Instagram, because there's all these beautiful people who, like, seem like they have it made. <laughs> and, if it, it, like, you look at that stuff long enough, you're like, man, who am I? What the hell am I doing with my life? Why am I not on a mountaintop looking over this glorious horizon? I'm stuck at a radio studio all day. Yeah. But I think that's that's a trick. It's a stupid trick envy or whatever it is. Yeah, you're well I mean when you take into effect looking at Instagram, you look at if you look at 400 different accounts, you've looked at what a thousandth of the population of the world or something like that. So it's, I mean, it's like... Not even that, That's probably. not That's not a good scientific test group. You right. Know? That's, that's not enough people to judge. Well, 400 people, statistically, compared to the rest of the population of the world, is like non-existent. Right. And, and that's where... It, I don't know. I, I am suggesting that because we're so connected that when we're not always on, turned on, that we're not used to being... Alone, and so it's expressed as, "Oh, I'm lonely," and I I don't know. I don't feel that alienated though from people, because I have met incredibly people online, and like then I've met them in person. Yeah, and it's really it's great, um, though it is a little weird. Like if your only interaction with somebody is just typing, it's a little strange to meet them in person for the yeah. first time. I see. I I grew up w- with AOL. Mm. And before it was just AIM Messenger, it was that you had to log into AOL. And I... With those modem sounds? Yes. Yeah. And uh, I started chatting with a girl in Huntsville when I was like, what, 10, 12, you know, something like that. And then, you know, just created a friendship. Mm -hmm. And uh, then... Start. We started talking on the phone, and not knowing the concept of long distance calls back then, get a, a very bad. Uh, uh, what's it from my parents? Because I we talked for hours. Oh, it was like an extra bill. Yes, yes. We like <laughs> hours for days over months period Man. of talking long distance on a landline. And that's such a fun feeling, by the way. It was, though. I, I remember doing that the first time I felt like I was in love. I talked to this girl who's in my class for hours. It really was hours. Like, you're holding the phone up to your ear so long it starts to hurt. Yeah. Like, your ear's hot. Uh-huh. It's like, why is the side of my face so hot? You try to try to figure out how to lay down and not hold the phone. Right. <laughs> right but you don't want it too loud on speakers because right. then they'll hear. Right. But it's right. just... Uh, yeah, and that's interesting how it's it's like, okay, was it the phone that made us lonely or just now with the internet? Like, is it technology that's actually making us lonely? Are we actually that lonely? I don't really think we are. No. I think I think it's, we we see all of the, the negativity on, on TV and online and all of that. And like you said, it's just we have the ability to communicate our feelings more efficiently. So... Maybe more people talk about being lonely more often than they do being happy. Right. So, well, and I mean, that's, it, I think it's just part of 
being a human being that I think people for a long time have felt forlorn and like, oh, I miss my... Like if you're off to war and you're thinking about the person you love Mm -hmm. and maybe you'll be able to send a letter. But for the most part, you wait. And like even people today know before cell phones, like you had to make plans. Yeah. (laughs) And you weren't texting constantly and you had to trust that that person would be there in the plan you set. Yep. Um, Maybe there's something to... You had to trust more. You couldn't rely on the constant communication. So that trust level allowed you to feel more confident about who you knew and who was on your side. Yeah. And, of course, you were you were also... There was no, like, last-minute dinner plans or right. canceling last-minute dinner plans or anything like that. It's, you know... I mean, even when I was growing up, I didn't have a cell phone until I was 16 or so. And I was the only one out of the six or so skater friends that I hung out with Hmm. who had a cell phone. So if we were out downtown Montgomery skating on a Friday night, then I was the only one who anybody could get in touch with. Right. But for a long time, it was just a group of us kids downtown Montgomery skating and, and it, you know, it's you told your parents where you were going, and I was a good kid, so they trusted me. For the most part, you always went to where yeah. you told them you were going. I mean, sometimes you sneak off. It's just, uh, I don't know. I, I think it's a lot of our negativity is sort of a front. And one thing, for instance, is the family is changing. The nature of family is changing. There is a lot more uh, uh, divorce or kind of weird arrangements with family, kids living with parents, and, um, but, you know, because of divorce, there's also a lot of, you know, remarriage, and I think a lot of, especially younger people are actually doing well. Younger people are, they're waiting longer to get married, but when they marry, they stay, stick with it. Mm -hmm. And that's a great sign. I think more people are realizing the mistakes of maybe generations ahead of them, or they, they've seen it on a personal level. Like, ah, I don't want to make that same mistake. Maybe we'll make our own new mistakes, but a really cool way to sort of say how people are finding new ways of, of community is how we treat holidays. And for instance, there's a, a term now, and, you know, a portmanteau or no or something like that is, it's called Friendsgiving. Mm-hmm. And, you know, initially you hear that term go, oh, God. The cynic in me, the a-hole in me is like, oh, friends giving. Well, you're going to go hang out with your friends and eat some turkey? Like, ugh. Like, and some yams, cranberry from a can. But, no, there's something great about it. Over the last five, six years, just based on, like, search engines, there have been a boom in people searching for friends giving. And initially, this word... Sure denoted people that couldn't go and be with their families during Thanksgiving and around the holidays. So they would just hang out. They'd have a a sort of a family-style dinner, but with friends Mm -hmm. and sort of make new family. And it's the language being malleable like it is, it's sort of cool to denote, okay, it's sad. It might even be lonely that I can't fly across the country. I can't drive a few hours and go see my family. I'm stuck where I am. But you know what? I can create a new one. Yeah. And to see trends <clears throat> like that, that more people are on this bandwagon of Friendsgiving, well, now it's become a 
beyond you can't make it to your family, the week before Thanksgiving, you do the Thanksgiving with your friends. And then you do the Thanksgiving with the family because I know especially 20-somethings, I understand this. And I'd imagine I'll be into my 30s after December starts this year. (laughs) That sometimes you feel a lot closer to your friends than you do your family. You know, it might depend on you. But there are times where you feel a little like, well, I haven't kept up as much as I would like. And that's why Thanksgiving's great with the family. You get to catch up. But it's also like, man, I wish I could, you know, one Christmas, one Thanksgiving, spend it with the people I work with every day and and actually hang out with every day. Yeah. My life growing up, I I was, I've always been a, a good kid, but I've always been on the shy side. And I'm just not that outspoken. Hmm. Uh, in ga- family gathering style get-togethers and stuff like that. So, growing up, I I just, you know, it was kind of hell for me to go to Thanksgiving. Cause hmm. I just sat in the corner and watched all the other, my cousins play and, you know, it's... <laughs> sure. I didn't I didn't enjoy it. I wanted to be at home alone watching a movie or reading a book or something like that. And, uh... That's changed as I've gotten older, of course, but our family is so big now. Uh, Mom's got five sisters. Mm. Uh, Two sisters have like five kids each, and then they're my age, so they've got kids. And then, you know, all of the the in-laws of the the cousins and all of that. So it just, it turns into a big thing and it's great when we do it but the last couple of thanksgivings it's just been me and mom and dad and my sister Hmm. and and our just little tight-knit so we can just spend some time together sure because even though we all live in millbrook we don't we don't spend as much time as we used to Right. So, you know. Well, and it, it feels good. That's how my Thanksgiving will be this year. Yeah. It'll be pretty tight-knit family who lives around here. Well, and, and I've talked about this before. Be, since the kids, like me, I'm one of the kids. Mm-hmm. And since we've all grown up, and even my youngest, uh, the youngest kid in the family, my cousin Annie, who's now a freshman at Auburn, um, everybody's got to grow up. All the aunts and uncles have grown up. Mm-hmm. Um the grandparents have gotten a bit older. They're now, you know, I don't know if they don't quite, because I haven't, you know, gotten off my butt and had any kids. They're not great-grandparents yet. <laughs> um, I think on my, yeah, on my dad's side, one of my cousins, he's about to have a baby. Mm-hmm. So we'll get a, a great-grandfather out of it. Uh, but it's it's quiet, and there's part of me that remembers the Christmas or the Thanksgivings that you were describing where it's a bunch of kids, like everybody's just had them, so it's like all the cousins, all the nieces and nephews and it, it, it's we can, almost overwhelming at times, and I don't know, I'm learning to appreciate that that'll probably be a good thing and if I you know, play my cards right, that may come back around. Yeah. And in the time being, you know, I have friends, make friends yep. out of it. And uh, don't have to focus on the negatives so much. And please, folks, spare us the politics at the Thanksgiving dinner yeah. table. 
I don't. I, I I like the idea of the friendsgiving thing. I don't know that I like doing a friendsgiving and then doing a family Thanksgiving. Mm, I, I mean, okay. I get it, but for me, it's it. I don't. It's like now, me and Emily are together. So Thursday we'll do my family. Friday we'll fly, we'll drive to Georgia and do her family, and then I think we're gonna come back home Saturday and do her dad's side. Hmm. Maybe uh, we we still haven't gotten that down yet. But do you have a particular expectation in terms of like food or tradition? Do you have any like traditions around the holidays with your family? You know, I used to be a really big pig in a blanket guy really that was like my favorite thing was, pigs in a blanket on yeah, thanksgiving like all those years that i was hating going to thanksgiving <laughs> as long as somebody made a big batch of pigs in a blanket i was happy it's routine <laughs> <laughs> so but we we don't really have anything now that's no. that's food wise um well, there's one story in my family where it was given to my mom the responsibility of the mashed potatoes. Yeah. And being who she was, um, she got a little fancy with it, <laughs> and it really made my uncle, my uncle Scott in particular, but me and my my brother, made us all go, "What did you do? Did you put orange rind, the rind <laughs> from an orange in our potatoes?" <clears throat> What is wrong with you? But, it, I mean, it became this moment. We would always be like, you're not in charge of the potatoes anymore, yeah. Carol. No, Mom. <laughs> do something else. You're amazing with the turkey. Do that. Yeah. So maybe I'll I'll do some butt-kicking potatoes this year. No, we don't. I mean, the only thing that we kind of include with these kind of meals are um, these green bean bundles that, mm. like, mm. my aunt did. It's like... You know, eight green beans wrapped with a, a piece of bacon. Yeah. And then yeah. roasted in the oven with a little bit of powdered mustard and brown sugar. And the bacon gets all crispy and sweet. Man. And then the, the bean. Yeah, that's the only thing that's that great. we really try to do all the time. Okay. But there's okay. no traditional. Right. You know. Right. Well, and I can take or leave turkey. I mean, I, I'm not a huge turkey guy. Yeah. Give me some ham. Give me some bacon. Even give me a rib roast. I like beef. I don't I like know. Pork. Turkey's it's, just okay. Yeah. A good deep fried turkey mm. well. is really the only way to do it. It's. I think that's the only way that I've found that I've eaten turkey where it's it tastes good. Yeah. I we had. Uh, one Thanksgiving several years ago where my cousin smoked a turkey and I think he forgot the turkey was in the smoker <laughs> so it tasted like eating a piece of mesquite. Oh man, that's a little much. But yeah. Probably really dry as hell too. Yeah. Mm, yeah. You gotta be careful with turkey. And you know, I'm, I'm realizing, realizing something as we're talking. Uh, kind of back to where we began the conversation that Progress or happiness takes time. Mm -hmm. So though it might seem dull some years, unless there's pigs in a blanket or you know bacon or something like that, um, it might seem not as good as it was one year. As you accumulate more Thanksgivings and more Christmases, I, more holiday seasons, I'm like, you know, life's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll be in a place where 
Like, well, the heck, I was in that place. I mean, a few years ago, the holidays were very difficult, very much missing somebody. Um, but, you know, the more you go through them, you're like, okay, the change is actually the good part, even if it is boring as heck, you know. Yeah. That's kind of a good thing. That, okay, it's another year down, yep. another year under our belt. And there's somebody who's been waiting on line one here. I'm wondering if it's actually a person. Who is it? Uh, Newstock, who's this here on the air? It's Mumnut. Hey, Mumnut, how you doing, man? How are you? Uh, good, good. Hey, I'll, back to the beginning of the show when you were talking about it, it's a more lonely work or something. Go back to what I was thinking about. Are there more tornadoes? Are there more anything? Or is it just it? We have such widespread now that we know more of it. Yeah, it's possible we just have more knowledge. I don't know. We may not have enough perspective, a big enough data set to know. I, I think that lately we've had some pretty intense hurricanes and tornadoes, though, and certainly Tornado Alley has shifted more. I feel like in the last few years it's been more. How do you know? Well, I, How do you know? 1900, there wasn't like the right. every day. Right, and no, and there are stories of hurricanes that were very powerful, say, like the tornado that hit Florida in the 20s. Mm-hmm. I mean, some, or the hurricane that hit Florida in the 20s. What about, yeah, Galveston, I think it was? Right. Yeah, it's, it's we need more time, and um, I don't, especially when it comes to weather events, freak out about that stuff. I mean, if it's right in front of my face, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do, but yeah. in terms of the general trends... And in particular, I was talking about more things we can, as human beings, can control. We can't necessarily control the weather. I think it's hubris to think we can control the weather. Um, Who's the fellow you got sitting in there with you? Eric. You might know uh, him as fiance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I live in Colorado. I was just wondering whose family that was. Did y'all grow up in Millbrook? We did. Uh... Yep. Okay. Are you from Millbrook? Or yeah, I graduated Stanhope in '76, so I probably know somebody in your family. <laughs> probably. I just um, don't know. What will uh, What would be uh, Emily's name? Last name <laughs> after? <laughs> She'll be a Trahan. Yeah. And thank her. Anybody by that name? But no, we're, the Trahans are few and far between. There's there's four men in Millbrook that are Trahans. Or quiet or, folk. Well, in, in, in the area. A yeah. Sturdy, quiet folk. They keep to themselves, yeah. Mom. Uh, we're, uh, hey, um, well, Mom, not, I think you're breaking up oh. here a little bit, but. Uh, oh, I thought I was going to say. Any of your family graduate from St. Hope about 1976? Was that about? No, I don't think so. I think my dad dad graduated from Wetumpka. Oh, we beat him. (laughs) (laughs) Mom, not I have to go, man. Uh, Y'all have a good day. Family connections here on uh, News Talk. (laughs) You think you might know our families? Give us a call. Yeah. We'll be right back. A story of, uh, I think we should cover it. Savage or funny? You know what I'm talking about, Eric. Yes. We'll be right back, folks.
Zoe Clark. Oh, welcome back, folks. Now, I want to talk about weddings. <laughs> now, I'm looking forward to being in Eric and Emily's wedding. Yes. Emily told me that she's well, I'm working on it right now. We're doing yeah. some wedding stuff. She's, I had to go get stamps. We're, we're sending out invitations tomorrow. Oh, wow. Yeah. We're behind by like a week because she decided to handwrite all of the envelopes. Well, and, and coming up in December, we were just talking about how I have to go like a second, like try on the yeah. groomsmen. You went, you went for your measurements before, now, right. you, now you get to try on and make sure everything fits. And they'll adjust things accordingly yeah. if they need to. Um, so, it's I mean, it's fun. I've been in one wedding before, oh, Alan and Fun Size Jane. Okay. And that was great. That went well. Yeah. And uh, I like getting dressed up. I don't tell them, but I like the groomsmen outfits y'all picked up yeah. much better. Well, those, theirs was fun. Theirs was, you know, bow tie, red bow tie. Yeah. It was fun. But uh, I like I like what you've got going on, what y'all have picked out. And I mean, weddings are... I've been to several weddings. I've never been to a bad wedding. Um, I think I'm batting 1,000. Like, every wedding I've attended, they're still married. Um, well... Actually, I take that back. <laughs> but it wasn't a divorce. It was something sadder. But, uh, yeah. I, most of the time, a wedding always goes to plan. Some are a little more informal than others. Some are more uh, pious, religious. Um, I've been to a Baptist wedding that was very pious. I've been yeah. to a Catholic wedding, very, like, the hour-long plus mass. <laughs> like there, I've seen all sorts of different types of weddings. Um, but it's this one story today. I'll just spit it out. You know how nerve-wracking weddings can be, planning for weddings? Yes. Yeah, oh, you're yes. in the middle of it right yes. now. Well, this is from, I believe, a British paper. One bride-to-be experienced a completely different type of nerves when she stood at the altar and revealed the sordid details of what? Well, as she was about to give her vows, she gave the sordid details of her husband-to-be's affair to the wedding congregation. You see, the night before this woman's wedding, the night before, she revealed a number of texts from a number she didn't recognize, exposing her fiancé's double life. She told all in a post, revealing how she came to terms with her alleged betrayal and got revenge in the most dramatic way. The night before her wedding, the bride-to-be had been enjoying drinks with her bridesmaids when her phone buzzed. She walked over to it, expecting to see a message of congratulations in anticipation of the big day. What she didn't expect was a number of texts from an unknown number showing screenshots between her fiancé, Alex, I don't know if that's a real name or not, and another woman. She claims the screenshots were accompanied by a message reading, I wouldn't marry him. Will you? Hmm. Who's the one sending this crap? Yeah. As proof, the woman sent pictures of her with Alex, along with texts between the two, which detailed their affair, dating for months to just days before. I, I can't imagine how she felt 
and the nerve she had to continue the wedding to get to the point to where she could read those messages in front of her family and his family. Yeah, her friends demanded she call off the wedding, but she couldn't think straight. So she decided to sleep on it instead. When she woke, she claimed she knew exactly what to do. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. She would go ahead with the wedding, but instead of reading her vows, she would out Alex as a cheater, reading the text to her family and friends. Wow. She walked down the aisle, turned to the crowd. Said, yeah, I mean, wedding. The guy's already up there. He's Alex, so mm-hmm. to speak, is standing up there. So she walked down the aisle, turned to the crowd as she reached the altar and said, There will be no wedding today. It seems Alex is not who I thought he was. And as soon as the words left her mouth, she said a ripple of shock went through the church before Alex attempted to grab her hand. She resisted, taking out her phone, and started reading the messages out loud. As she did, she claims the color drained from his face before he walked out of the church, his best man following him. She then turned back to the crowd and said, I love all of you, and as horrible as this is, I'm glad you all are here. There will not be a wedding reception today, but instead there will be a celebration of honesty, finding true love and following your heart even when it hurts. Man, somebody needs to marry that woman. Stat. Yeah. That's, that is brutal. That is... But I think it's deserved. This guy was yeah. leave, living that double life, like right up to the day. Mm-hmm. And it seems it was. <clears throat> this is where they're man or woman. Because I was reading something recently that now that women are becoming more on par with men economically, I'm not talking about if you're a CEO or not or leading a company. I mean, like women, especially younger women, are doing really well, making just as much money as men, mm-hmm. if not more. Uh, more college education, these sort of things. And so because women are essentially becoming more the breadwinners, what's happening? They tend to be the ones who cheat now. It's interesting. The person who has the, the who is the breadwinner has more options. And it's a trend going it, on now. It makes sense. Right. It's not it, like men are just promiscuous more than women. It's No, it's more who has the ability to do these sorts of things. Yeah. But... I have to say that the way she handled it, I think, was, I don't know, I, I have to applaud it. It's yeah. a little intense, but how stupid is this guy? Because it seems like it was his side piece that is the one who sent it to the, the bride. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm curious about is who, who sent the snapshots, the screenshots, and all that stuff. Right. I'm thinking it was the chick. Either way, it was brutal. Because if if it was done traditionally, you know, her family paid for the wedding. So Mm -hmm. dad's got to be pissed. (laughs) Yeah. That guy should have run out of that church. Yeah. Like, I don't care if I'm going to get, like, you know, charged with a crime. I'm punching you. Mm -hmm. Like, you're going down quick. That's just unreal. I mean, luckily, like I said, every wedding I've gone to, it goes off without a hitch. It's a great celebration. Some are more, you know, party atmosphere. Some are more, like, buttoned up. But, wow. There's something about that setting, though. It is supposed to be the best day of your life. Yeah. I've been to 
three weddings, uh, four four if you count mine. Okay, <laughs> sure. But <clears throat> so I'm half and half. Two weddings that I've been to are still together. The other two are divorced. Hmm. But it's I I love love. Yeah. It's like it, it's just I love the feeling of being loved. It's and it it sounds stupid when I say it out loud. <laughs> I love love. But right. yeah, it's that that whole thing. It's like uh, when me and Brandon had that the debate. The, yeah. the debate. Yeah. It's the marriage is great, and you know sometimes we make mistakes and. We marry the wrong person. Like me, I, we did, and we grew apart, but I've got a wonderful daughter, and it, it's just, I don't know. Well, and if you can, I think it's, it, because these things are emotional, people get dramatic about it. Yeah. It's like right after, and it doesn't have to be marriage necessarily, but like right after somebody's heartbroken, it's like, wow. I hate to see the women or the guys. Who, after their heart's utterly broken, or like, like say it's a guy, it's like, ah, women are scum. Can't trust the women folk. Yeah. It's like, no, dude, it was one woman. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't blame them all. Yep. They've got enough going on. And, of course, women do the same thing. Guys are, you know, guys are no good. They'll who, leave you, ladies. Who was it? Uh, there's some famous quote, love like you've never been hurt before. Mm-hmm. And I can't think of who had said it, but it's that, so I common. Love, I love that that, yeah. that quote. You love and, like you've never been hurt before. Yeah. I mean, it's. Um, I don't know if I agree with that. In the sense, I agree with it if it means don't be guarded, don't keep up walls. And, you know, love with reckless abandon. But I think also hurt can give you perspective. Yeah. In the sense that, well, what kind of hurt? Like it can, I don't know. I, I feel like you, the old another cliche: what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yeah, I think I think love like you've never been hurt is to not push your past experiences onto your current partner. Oh, I, I agree completely. And that's that's really hard to do. Yeah, but oh, I mean, I've <clears throat> I've gone on dates with women. I've you know hung out with people where it's like, okay, I can tell that. Like, if somebody gets mad at me, and I know for a fact it's something I did not do, mm-hmm. like, okay, they're arguing with a ghost. Like, and I mean, that doesn't have necessarily be a romantic relationship. I've seen yeah. people get mad at me, and I'm like, you're not arguing with me. You're not mad at me, per se. Yeah. I'm just the guy who triggered whatever it is you're mad at. And I see that all the time. I mean, and it's not fair. Uh, I think people do carry that baggage with them. And they shouldn't. So I, I agree to that extent. Yeah, I I don't I don't instinctively judge people outwardly. Hmm. I, like I it, if I meet you, I'll give you a, a few minutes or a few times to prove that you're not whatever is the on the grapevine. Right. But the minute that you do display something. That I've experienced that led to a bad experience, I'm gone. Yeah, I can't do it because I know what that that behavior leads to. Right, 
right. or has led to in the past. So right. that fear of going down that road again, you don't want to go down it, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, and, but the, on the other side of it, that feeling of being judged for something you didn't do. Yeah. And somebody's like, I know where you're going. I'm like, where am I going? No. But, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's interesting how... I think the woman did the right thing there. Like, just call him out in front of his... Yeah, so people kind of know. Because if she had done it secretly, just, you know, gotten rid of the wedding without really outing him, there would have been all sorts of rumor in your window, like, why was it broken up? So to do it plain as day... Leave no doubt. Leave no doubt. I think that's the best... I think it's always the best policy. Yep. Unless you're the type who wants to obscure things, then why are you that type? Don't do that. Yeah. Let the truth be known. Let the chips fall where it may. Any other cliches I can go with? <laughs> well, it's been fun tonight, ma'am. It has. Like, because I'm, I'm in this place leading up to the holidays um, and my birthday. 30 is like this big milestone. And maybe we'll talk about it in, like, changes when you yeah. get into your 30s. Uh, but, you know, I'm generally tr- taking stock of my life before Thanksgiving, and I'm very grateful. As much as I get down on certain days and wonder, what the hell am I doing? Um, life is really good. Yeah. And you know, I've got this take- whole new experience to look forward to with birthdays. All my life, it's just been another day. Right. Now I've got queen of party as a partner so she does every, love a holiday everything's a celebration she does love I a love party. it it's great that is awesome well thank you for joining me man thank you right. i'll be back tomorrow night folks on a friday not sure what i'm gonna do but that's the fun part joey clark i just keep losing my beat